2: This morning, many of us are still trying to absorb the news that at least 19 children and two adults were killed in another school shooting, this time in Uvalde, Texas, on Tuesday. Later this week, we'll be talking about this latest mass shooting, nearly 10 years after Sandy Hook, the Texas shooting just 10 days after Buffalo. Now, we can't forget gun violence impacts local residents, too. Guillermo Gonzalez was killed May 10th And according to the Hartford Current, he stepped out of his apartment building on Zion Street to grab a hot dog. Gonzalez was the city's 13th homicide victim this year. Officials say he was an unintended target of a drive-by shooting. Who do you want to hear from about gun violence in our state, in our country? You can reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live, or you can email me, lucy at ctpublic.org. Now, our show today is about helping improve the health of residents who live in food deserts. Healthcare officials know food deserts are a huge problem, especially when working with patients who need access to healthy food to help manage medical conditions like diabetes. Coming up where we live, we learn about a pilot program through Hartford Healthcare that treats food as medicine. Just this month, the hospital system opened a small grocery store, also known as a food pharmacy, on its property in Hartford. It's called the Healthy Food Resource Center. We're going to learn more, and you can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888 720 wmpr You can share a comment again on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Joining us first on the phone is a Connecticut resident. Jessica Soto is a patient at the Hartford Healthcare Food Pharmacy. Jessica, welcome to our show. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you live, and what were some of the health challenges that brought you to this pilot program?
0: Um, I am 35 years old and I live in Hartford just minutes from the hospital. Um, and I got started with the food pharmacy through the Bridge and Infusion Clinic. Um, Due to, I well, I have diabetes, and I suffered a massive heart attack um, March 15th. Um, so I've had to completely change, you know, my lifestyle and the way I eat, and they referred me to the food pharmacy, and it's been a blessing because I can get so much. They help so much, and, and everything is things that I can eat um, for my special diet. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I'm glad to hear that you are doing better since that massive heart attack, uh, Jessica. So you have a cardiologist at Hartford Hospital. Is that how you got, a, a I guess, a, a prescription to come to the food pharmacy?
0: Yes, it is. Through, um, you have to have a prescription um, and a referral from your cardiologist. And I do. I see uh, Christine Cosgrove over at the and Infusion Clinic as well as Dr. Um, Riaz at the cardiology building on retreat
2: you know backing up a little when you shared with us that you had this heart attack and that you have diabetes you know how has this impacted uh, what you do outside the home uh, your job uh, your interactions with family
0: it's been very hard i cannot work right now um because of the heart attack and the damage to my heart i um have advanced heart failure now Mm -hmm. um so i've been out of work which has been you know it was hard i couldn't i couldn't keep food on the table for my children um as far as my family i don't have a lot of family support here close to hartford so um it's kind of just me and my boys
2: Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us a little bit about your boys and and when you had to stop working, you know, how you've been able to manage Jessica.
0: It's been tough. Um, Thank God for Food Pharmacy, Um, David and and Dorelli and just everyone over there. It's been a blessing. It helps a lot. Um, I can go once a week and get you know produce fresh meat anything um so that's been a huge help um i homeschool my kids so um it's giving me a little more time with them to do that now that i'm not working but it just makes it financially harder in other ways
2: mm. Again, you're hearing Jessica Soto, who uh, is a Connecticut resident, and she's a patient at this pilot program that Hartford HealthCare rolled out this summer. It's a so-called food pharmacy, and we're going to hear more about um, how this is helping Jessica um, have access to healthy food and and changing her diet to help manage her, her health condition. But I wanted to bring into the conversation David Feichandler, who's Senior Director of Clinical Operations at Hartford HealthCare. Dave, welcome to our show. Good
3: morning, Lucy, and thank you for having me.
2: Um, so we were hearing a little bit about how Jessica was referred to the so-called food pharmacy. Again, it ha- it's actually called the Healthy Food Resource Center. So where did this idea come from?
3: Yeah, You know, this is an idea that's been brewing for for some time. Uh, I think I can I can trace its roots back to... 2019 when we were doing our community needs assessment and understanding you know, what our patients were experiencing, what our families were experiencing. And as part of that and digging a little deeper, we discovered that our patients and their families were making choices between coming to medical appointments um, and, and feeding their family, and in some cases, getting medications or feeding their family. Um, and so we were seeing cancellations of appointments the health of our patients not getting better as we would have expected, uh, and it was and it was likely tied to their nutritional health, um, and so that ties in you know pretty closely with what we were seeing in the data, which, you know, which shows that uh, as much as 30 percent of the Hartford County is nutritionally or, or, or food insecure, um, and, and so that that is kind of how the concept was born.
2: At the, the top, I described this, this food pharmacy kind of like a small grocery store, but can you describe it for us, Dave?
3: Sure, absolutely. So um, it, it, it is a market, uh, and, but what makes it different from a food pantry or other, or other food sources that, uh, that are given out to patients and, and families is that oh, there's a, a high focus on nutrition. There's a predominant amount of fruits and vegetables um, even the carbohydrates, the beans, the, the, the pastas or whole wheat, uh, we use olive oils, um, you know, the, the proteins are all lean, uh, you know, proteins of, of chicken and beef and pork and, and uh, seafood, et cetera, that allow folks to make healthy choices in partnership with the clinical teams. And I think that's one of the most important differentiators that Jessica described is that the partnership with the clinical teams is what helps to make this a success. It's not just the distribution of the food. Right.
2: Jessica Soto is still with us. So, Jessica, walk us through when you walk into the food pharmacy. Again, this is on the grounds of of Hartford Healthcare. Uh, You know, who's guiding you? Um, How are you shopping for food for you and your two boys?
0: Um, Well, when you walk in, you're greeted by Dave and his wonderful team. Um, And they, 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 point you in the right direction. Not only do they point you in the right direction, um, you know, they, if they see that you didn't grab something, they'll say, well, you know, have you ever tried to eat, you know, Brussels sprouts? And no, I haven't, Dave. And they will, um, well, you can, you know, should try them and you can make them this way. And they not just point you in the right, they give you recipes. Um, they're a huge help um, just in, many people who are walking in there probably just have not lived the healthiest lifestyle um let's be honest so i surely did not this is new for me um so to have someone like Dave and jarelli and whatever other volunteer um happens to be there that day to have them actually giving me recipe ideas and it actually is helping encourage me to try new things and not just for myself um for my children because now i have to think about them and so it's 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 a huge help they help you a lot um so they greet you and you just um Grab, you know, they provide the bags for you, the reusable bags, and you just go through and grab. They have, like they said, fresh produce and vegetables, um, lean meats and seafood. The pastas um, our whole wheat, the flour is whole wheat, the rice is whole wheat, but um, my boys and I are loving it so far. We don't see a difference in taste or anything.
2: Well that's good to hear. So tell us before you started going to the food pharmacy you know where were you able to access uh, food uh, you know what were you buying and you know how this how this has changed again um, maybe some of the food that you're cooking at home Jessica?
0: Um, I I receive food stamps um, so I you know was having I would have some help from the state Um, I was doing groceries, but I will admit I was not shopping the healthiest. I wasn't buying whole wheat, anything, um, not even the oil. I wasn't buying the olive oil. Um, so, you know, that's how I was grocery shopping before. Um, I think a lot of people say it's, it's, it's expensive to eat healthy and it's sad because it's cheaper for the junk food and all the carb filled stuff, um, but if you want to live a healthy lifestyle and, you know, with my condition, I have to make this change. Um, I also find that with the whole wheat, it's it's filling and for a longer period of time. I don't know if it's just me, um, but I find a lot of the food that we were eating um, were just empty carbs, and we were just, you know, an hour later looking for something else to munch on. And now that we're eating a little healthier and the boys and I are having fruits in between meals, we're staying full longer and we're not eating as big of a
2: portion. Mm. Uh, David, I wanted you to pick up on what Jessica said that you know eating healthy can be expensive. And so when we think about who's eligible for the food pharmacy and you know how long does it last where a patient like Jessica can access the 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 food for for free.
3: Yeah, that's an important point you know so we are working uh to develop healthy habits but it is a partnership right so we can't uh grow and sustain and build the program um continuing to feed knowing what the demand is uh for perpetuity so we we work with just folks like jessica and other families and over time over the next three or six months we will work to connect them in with resources that will allow them to continue um, to be able to shop healthy and shop healthy in the community. So we're partnering uh, with with other groups like Food Share, uh, my local chefs. Uh, Vanessa Cena has been a hugely helpful. Sea Town uh, here in Hartford, our own Hartford Healthcare Food Nutrition Services, to be able to help educate give resources and get access to food, not just in one market in on the Hartford Hospital campus, but across the city and the region.
2: When you think about the footprint that Hartford Hospital has, uh, of the neighborhoods, the people that are living uh, far below the poverty line and how difficult it is to make food choices when they've got other bills they have to pay and there isn't uh, an easy way to get to places that may have uh, more of a variety of healthy options, Dave.
3: Yeah, and that's our goal, right? So we, we can't um fix everything right away right we're taking this pilot program to try and establish the the model and then hope that this becomes something that could be far more sustainable far more broad than one hospital one location uh, because the demand um, is pretty significant in the city of hartford and beyond
2: and you have a collaboration with food share can you tell us more about how you're stocking the food pharmacy
3: yeah, so it, it, it has been an absolute um, blessing to have the collaborative efforts of Food Share, Sea um, Town Markets here in Hartford, um, the My Local Chef team with Vanessa, just to be able to provide us with fresh um, access to food, but also culturally sensitive food, knowing the populations that um, that you, you know we service and that have a demand in the immediate pilot phase, um, and so having the we couldn't do it on our own. Uh, and so, the capacity to have access to have food delivered to us, have it be you know the fresh produce beyond it being seasonally appropriate, just the access to the fresh, not just canned foods and and bags of of, of carbohydrates, but really the fresh produce um, and the fresh meats with local farmers um, from you know in the in the Connecticut in the in the Hartford region has really really been a godsend and, and what's allowed us to help people like Jessica.
2: Jessica, you're still with us. Uh, Dave said that it's important to have a food that is culturally sensitive. So talk uh, through with that you know how do you respond when you think about maybe some traditional foods that you like to make uh, that your their boys like to eat and the fact that do you have to give that up completely? I mean how are you walking that line?
0: Um, uh, we're doing okay because they they actually are very culture uh, friendly with some of the things that they have. Um, My huge thing is I love sweet plantains and every time I've gone, you know, since I started two weeks ago, they have the sweet plantains and um, they, you know, have the olive oil instead of, you know, because those are fried, instead of frying them in regular oil, I now fry them in minimal olive oil and That's something that I can still have, you know, once in a while, and they have that. Um, They have a lot of the – I don't eat a lot of them. I would love to, but I wouldn't even know where to start and how to cook them. Uh, A lot of the – I'm Hispanic, and a lot of our culture, like a lot of things like yame and things like that, and they have those there. Um, Their produce variety is is amazing. Um, They had papayas when I went on Monday – I've never had it, but I'm going to try it. Um, and it's and like Dave said, they have you know fresh stuff from the farm, they have fresh eggs from the farm, milk. Um, it they have such a huge variety that it's really it hasn't been too hard for us to make the switch to healthier things um because of the big variety that they have.
2: Mm. Have you and had to change up
0: the health? I'm sorry.
2: Jessica, have you had to change up maybe the seasoning that you once used?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, One thing I tell everybody about that I did not know, adobo. Um, As a Spanish household, everyone has adobo in their cupboards. Um, But it is so high in sodium, and I did not know that. Um, You know, I don't use any uh, salt or any salt seasonings. I use, instead of garlic salt, it's garlic powder, onion powder. Um, And I did stop making the adobo. Um, but I was told by my cardiologist there, is there actually a recipe to make a, um, sodium free adobo? So I'm looking forward to that, but I just wanted to mention that because not a, a lot of people did not know that adobo was actually very high in sodium and the worst mm-hmm. for you. Um, so that's just one of the things like not being able to cook with adobo own. but, um, I find that with. You know, adding in all the like the onion powders and the garlic powders, as I mentioned, and as well as I make my own homemade sofito, which is you know um, pureed onions and peppers and garlic. it gives the food plenty of flavor. You can't even tell that it has no salt in it.
2: Mm. so I've got to ask Jessica, how are you doing now? I know you're a new patient to food pharmacy, but are you seeing um, the the changes uh, when you go to the doctor um, based on this this new diet? Uh, I
0: have. I actually went to the doctor just the other day, and I am down six pounds. Excellent. This week alone, so I'm doing good because I was retaining a lot of water as well. Um, but with the diet, um, it's helping. I am down, like I said, six pounds. Um, I I feel like I have more energy. Um, my heart is getting. You know, it's it's a it's going to be a long road, but it's getting better.
2: And your blood sugar my
0: sugars are getting better.
2: Well, that's great to hear, uh, Jessica. David, how do you respond when you when you hear you know Jessica talking about you know these changes and that you know she's seeing um, you know improvements that are going to help her health in the long run?
3: I'm thrilled. I mean, this is exactly why we do what we do—to um, know that that we can help people um, like Jessica and her family and her boys. Um, as well as the other 250 or so folks that are starting in this pilot program. But it also um, makes me, pardon the pun, it makes me hungry to want to do more because we know that no matter how many people we help, there's still a greater need. Um, So I'm excited. I'm thrilled, thrilled for Jessica. Um, And it's just so validating for the work that we do, but it also makes me want to get more people access as soon as possible
2: right and this is a pilot program i just started uh, this month i had mentioned at the top of the show this is for people with particular health conditions like like diabetes or cardiac conditions but i understand that this is also open to uh, women prenatally so tell us about that
3: yeah so we we, we went uh, and targeted three specific populations the the cardiac congestive heart failure uh, group um as jessica mentioned the, uh, the bariatric, those folks who are either um, morbidly obese and working through their dietary evolution or who are in, um, in a surgical component um, from within the, the city of Hartford. And pre, uh, uh, the prenatal, uh, the Women's Ambulatory Health Service which is our, our pre-pregnancy group. And the, the intention there is really to look at if we can help moms before the babies are born, help themselves and their families be healthier. We can then help to improve the health of the entire family longitudinally over time. So we know that gestational diabetes is an issue uh, in uh, in our patients uh, and in this area. And we wanna make sure that we can tackle uh, as much of the health concerns for the mom, the unborn baby and the entire family and set them up for the mom, the baby, the rest of the family to be successful in their health journey for a long time.
2: Mm -hmm. Anything like this in our state or is this fairly unique, Dave?
3: Uh, uh, From my research, uh, I think this is somewhat unique in the sense of tying the health component and the nutritional component, the clinical component to providing access to healthy food, uh, there is ac- there's a significant access to to food pantries and and food across the state. But I haven't seen anything that ties the the clinical and the educational component uh, that I've come across yet. I would love to, if there is. I'd love to partner with them. But uh, to my knowledge, this is this is somewhat novel. Mm.
2: And we think about this being a pilot and hoping to expand. Does that mean to primary care, reaching even more people, Dave? I think that would also require a lot more money. How are you making this possible?
3: So we we actually have uh, dreams and aspirations of expanding to to, we know that demand is a minimum of twenty five hundred families. And we also know that we have colleagues in our workforce um, WHO ARE CITY OF Hartford RESIDENTS WHO IN OUR RESEARCH AND EVOLUTION OF THIS INITIAL ASSESSMENT, WE FOUND THAT UPWARDS OF 8 TO 10 PERCENT OF OUR COLLEAGUES uh, HERE at, at, AT THE HOSPITAL POTENTIALLY ARE FOOD INSECURE AND ARE MAKING CHOICES uh, THAT WE NEED TO GET GO AFTER. SO, YOU KNOW, WE KNOW THAT this, THIS PROGRAM, WHILE IT'S IN ITS PILOT PHASE, WILL EXPAND FAIRLY SIGNIFICANTLY. AND WE'VE DONE, WE'VE HAD SUCH, YOU KNOW, GREAT PARTNERS both in the um, in the business community as well as in, in the uh, donors and others here at the hospital uh, who have helped to make this a success and helped us with fundraising. Uh, we've been able to raise, you know, upwards of a, a several hundred thousand dollars at this point uh, to help support the operations, the staffing, the purchase of equipment, etc. Um, and we have visions of continuing to, to move that along. I also would be remiss if I didn't say that, you know, the hospital and the health system have made a significant investment um, from the, the money of the operations of the hospital themselves to make this a success and sustainable.
2: You're hearing David Feichandler here on Where We Live, Senior Director of Clinical Operations at Hartford HealthCare, as we continue to learn about the food pharmacy and talk about food insecurity, also local efforts to help Connecticut residents beyond this pilot. He's going to stay with us, but I want to thank Jessica Soto for coming on the show. Again, she lives in Connecticut. She's a patient at the Hartford HealthCare Food Pharmacy. Jessica, such a pleasure to talk with you. We're glad that you're doing better. Thanks for coming on.
0: Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on.
2: You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. We'll be back after a short break. You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888 720 wmpr Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Food insecurity is a common problem. It affects one in eight adults in America. That's according to Geisinger, a health and wellness organization. It came up with the food pharmacy idea, now being piloted at Hartford Healthcare. Connecticut Public's health reporter Nicole Leonard reported recently that food insecurity refers not only to the quantity of food, but quality. It occurs when a person lacks access to enough affordable, nutritious options. And according to a 2019 report by Feeding America, an estimated 12 percent of Connecticut's total population, or about 428,000 people, are food insecure. Leonard reports the rate of food insecurity is even higher among Connecticut children at 15 percent. We're talking about this today with my guest on Zoom, David Feichandler, Senior Director of Clinical Operations at Hartford HealthCare. And so, David, you had mentioned food insecurity, obviously one of uh, the aims uh, to help address this. And so can you talk more about that um, issue in our state and how this program addresses that?
3: Yeah, uh, food insecurity and nutritional insecurity is, is, is a driving factor in healthcare. And I know that that seems like it there, may or may not uh, be immediately connected. Uh, But we know that lack of access to food um, and people who make choices between food and paying utilities, paying car bills, um, getting access to medical care, paying for medications. We know that that's happening upwards of 66, 67 percent of the time in patients who are below the poverty level. And so what we're trying to do is work on creating healthier solutions by providing access to that. Um, It's not an easy solution, it's not a quick solution, Um, but but taking one step at a time helps us to move forward.
2: And we think about, you know, all the people, you know, at the table, so to speak, to help address this problem, you know, the the hospital system can only do so much and policymakers also need to stand up when we think about food deserts and the access to, uh, you know, grocery stores, how do you bring them into the community, uh, David? Is that also part of the plan uh, to reach out uh, to lawmakers uh, when we think about efforts to strengthen this?
3: absolutely when we think about health it's not just food it you know it's longitudinal it it affects so many aspects of of living in Connecticut um, regardless of where you live and how you live so I think that we're at a point where we're piloting this program at this point with the expectation that we'll have enough meaningful information data and outcomes from patients and their entire families to show that this this program Um, IS EFFECTIVE AT IMPROVING NOT ONLY THE HEALTH OUTCOMES, BUT THE MEDICAL COSTS INVOLVED IN CARE AND THE OVERALL HEALTH OF THE RESIDENTS OF THE STATE, WHICH CREATES A PRETTY COMPELLING CASE uh, FOR OUR LAWMAKERS TO CONSIDER. Mm -hmm.
2: I mentioned 12%, an estimated 12% of Connecticut's total population are food insecure. So panning out to get another perspective on this issue, uh, joining us now on Zoom is Alder Devin Avshalom smith He represents Ward 20 in New Haven. That's the New Hallville neighborhood. Uh, Alder Devin, welcome to our show.
4: Good morning. Thank you, Lucy. Glad to be here.
2: And so when we talk about food deserts, uh, again, uh, you're representing uh, a neighborhood uh, among uh, the New Haven alders. And so, and so I'm wondering if you can talk about you know, this issue in your neighborhood and, and how you're seeing efforts to connect residents with healthy food.
4: Absolutely. So Hallville and Ward 20 is essentially uh, a, a food desert. I mean, the local grocery stores are about a mile away each way. Um, But we mostly have corner stores and bodegas that don't really provide a lot of healthy options. And to speak to just a a little bit of the data, the low income rate here in Newhallville is about 67%, which is 1.4 times that of the city and three times that of the state. Uh, As far as obesity, we rank at 36% compared to 29% in, in Connecticut, Same the numbers with diabetes. Uh, are also disproportionate to to that when we're looking at the state. So access to healthy foods is a real challenge in, in my neighborhood.
2: You mentioned the corner stores. Uh, so has there been outreach to maybe get them to carry healthier foods? What are the barriers there, Alder Devon?
4: There has been outreach, um, and and some stores are amenable to that. But what we run into is kind of twofold where corner stores have trouble finding affordable produce for themselves to purchase and where residents are not exactly comfortable with the conditions of the stores all the time to purchase the food. But that is why we uh, have are looking for and have found some solutions in our community gardens. Um, we're working very diligently to unify the community gardens we have in our neighborhood systematize growing, harvesting, and food distribution to the community.
2: So tell us more about that, these community food growing programs.
4: Absolutely. So most of our community gardens are leased on city-owned plots by an organization called Gather New Haven. And they really provide the autonomy to community members to decide what happens on that land. So I have been very involved for the past four years with community members and others to make sure that community has access to the gardens, culturally appropriate foods are being grown. And as I said, we're working on systematizing the actual distribution so that it's equitable and making it um available to folks in a way that they can see food demonstrations um, and feel really a part of the process.
2: You also mentioned it's important to grow culturally appropriate foods. That's really important because when people um, are dealing with uh, health issues and they're being told, you know, you know, we can help you access healthy food, but you don't want to drastically change their diet because it may not be a long term uh, um, outcome. And so can you talk more about that, Alder Devon?
4: Definitely in Newhallville, uh, many uh, residents and families have migrated from the South, perhaps their grandparents generation, uh, older generation. So we have a lot of staple items that we grow such as collard greens, mustard greens, squash, things that are familiar and and often uh, deemed soul food so that uh, folks feel comfortable with what we're growing and what they can get knowing um, it's close to home.
2: Right. And when we think about uh, the options you know to purchase food you know what are the closest options you said that there's a mile away and that's why there's only the corner stores that are that are able to be in walking distance Alder devon
4: correct we have from from where we are pretty much we have a stop and shop that's about a mile away and on whaley avenue on another in another neighborhood and then a save a lot in hamden actually which is about a mile away so for folks with transportation um, hurdles, it, it makes it a challenge, especially if you're shopping for multiple uh, families, but that is exactly why we're really proud to have the community garden system and also local food distributions through our churches where, uh, with in partnership with the Connecticut Food Bank where we're able to provide produce. Um, I wanna mention briefly as well, Community leaders are very passionate about this topic, and we have community leaders having children ages six to 12 educating other children about the social determinants of health and healthy eating. Uh, we also have um, a local farmer who is working on small scale ag- agricultural entrepreneurship. So we're really firing on all cylinders when it comes to looking out for the health, wellness, and access to healthy foods of our community. Mm
2: so what happens in the winter this is the perfect time to talk about a growing healthy food and sharing it but when you know, you're know you not able uh to to have the the warm temperatures and the space uh, to grow what happens then alder devon
4: the winters are a real challenge and what we mostly find is a lot of communal one helping uh, the community helping one another whether it's folks cooking meals and providing them to their neighbors or really relying heavily on our churches who provide a great amount of support where they still do their food distributions which has healthy uh produce and uh but it it is a challenge definitely
2: And when we think about, you mentioned data at the, the earlier. Uh, when we look at these community food growing programs, and you know, are you seeing uh, healthier outcomes for the residents who are taking part, Alder Devon?
4: You know, I I know that folks explain that they feel healthier after having eaten this fresh produce. But I would encourage um, the, the city of New Haven to pay really close attention to that and uh, to perhaps come and help us track some of those uh, statistics and, and gather some of that data. I think it would be extremely beneficial, even as we move forward, um, to try to obtain more funding and support for the efforts we have here in New Hallville, especially in Ward 20.
2: Uh, we were learning about the the food pharmacy pilot program through Hartford Healthcare. Is this, uh, I'm wondering if you could respond, Andra Devin, to this idea, maybe down in the New Haven area. I,
4: I think it's tremendous, and as a matter of fact, in 2012, the Fair Haven Community Health Center partnered with a nonprofit called City Seed to do uh, something called FVRX, which was essentially uh, pr- prescriptions for for folks to go to City Seed um, and and obtain fresh produce. But I would love to see this occur. If it's not uh, still occurring in New Haven, I'd love to see it occur large scale in New Haven or with some of our major hospitals like Yale, New Haven. Um, I think that it would be tremendous just hearing the the story of the resident who was on Jessica. Um, I'd love to hear testimonial like that from folks in my neighborhood as well.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming on to tell us about some of these local efforts to help food insecure residents. Again, that's uh, Alder Devin Afshalom Smith, who represents Ward 20 in New Haven. That's the Newhallville uh, neighborhood. Alder Devin, thank you for your time today. Thank you. I wanted to just go quickly back to David Fichandler, who's still with us, Senior Director of Clinical Operations at Hartford HealthCare. We had a listener call in. She left her phone number. She wants to volunteer at the food pharmacy, David.
3: That's wonderful. (laughs) We'd love to uh, have access to her. Um, All right. So pass it along and I would love to connect with them.
2: All right. Well, well, we'll we'll be sure to do that. And we thank you for coming on to tell us about this pilot again, just starting this month. We'd love to check in and see how it's going. And, you know, if the plans to expand um, when that time comes, we'd love to have you back on, David.
3: That sounds fabulous. Looking forward
2: to it. That's David Feichandler again with Hartford Healthcare. You're listening to Where We Live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanshell. Coming up after break, we're going to hear from a statewide anti-hunger organization about a new venture to help food pantries who provide for their communities. You can join us too. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. We've been talking about food insecurity in our state, and we know local food pantries fill an important role in local communities, but there hasn't been a coordinated approach to help them and soup kitchens purchase food. End Hunger CT has created a new initiative to address this. Joining us now on Zoom is Patrick Dowling, Resource Director with End Hunger Connecticut. Patrick, welcome to our show.
1: Good morning, Lucy. Thank you very much for having me. This has been a a, a very interesting conversation this morning. I'm glad to be a part of it.
2: Oh, thank you. So I mentioned, food pantries and soup kitchens. Let's talk about their role in local communities. And, you know, when we think about how to help them with a more coordinated approach, when did End Hunger Connecticut think about this, uh, this new initiative for them?
1: Well, it all began for us during the height of the pandemic, the early stages of the pandemic, really. uh, we, we were involved in the, um, the, the conversations with the Department of Agriculture, the State Department of Agriculture, and Commissioner Brian Hulbert and his team and, and other nonprofit organizations in trying to coordinate the um, food distribution that was um, um, happening throughout the country to get food to people um, when so many people were out of work and food insecurity um, really increased dramatically in our state and um i was uh, invited to participate in these conversations and um it became very evident to us that um that beyond the great amazing work that the uh the connecticut food share and the food banks do in the state to supply uh, food pantries and soup kitchens and uh, senior outreach programs um beyond them there was no coordinated um organization to help support food pantries needs to completely serve the needs to feed their communities Um, the the food banks do amazing work but in some cases pantries need more than what the food pantries and what donations provide and uh, we thought that it would be beneficial to create uh, a a program an initiative that would help pantries uh on a statewide level and to collectivize their purchasing power and their efforts and their talents and, and um, share that statewide.
2: And so this is called the full shelves initiative. How does it work?
1: Well, um, one of the first things that we had to do Lucy, when we started this was to establish where all these pantries were. You know, I I say that the pantry system uh, or throughout the country, not just in Connecticut um, was begun 40, 50 years ago on the, on the, on a short term thought process. They thought that, well, we're just going to do this for a little while. We're going to feed everybody who needs to be fed, and, and that'll be it. And it was, um, it, and it grew and grew and grew, and it's not going away. There There is always going to be a need to support the uh, food insecurity needs of of people all over the country. And, and in Connecticut, um, this system grew, and these pantries and these soup kitchens, what I call food assistance agencies, um, were, were, popping up throughout the state. I estimate that there's, you know, 800 to 1000 maybe that exist out there from larger entities to smaller little church-based um uh, situations in in basements. Um so we had to, we had to find them all. Um so we we endeavored to do that and we've identified somewhere in the neighborhood of 650 in the state so far. So To answer your question, Um, the idea is to reach out to all of them, find out what their needs are, find out what their needs are beyond what the food bank system and donation system is able to provide for them and help them to procure food when they need uh, more to feed their communities beyond what uh, donations and the food banks can provide, Mm -hmm. Um, connecting them with wholesale suppliers uh, so that they get the, the best possible pricing. Um, it seems to us that these pantries are independent little organizations that don't have any um, power, any any purchasing power. But if we collectivize that purchasing power, um, we can get them better possible pricing and higher quality food, uh, and um, and consistent uh, quality food and deliveries to their door when they can meet the thresholds for for purchasing. Mm.
2: You're hearing Patrick Dowling here on Where We Live, Resource Director again for End Hunger Connecticut as we learn about this, this new initiative to help food pantries. Patrick mentioned you know more than 650 uh, in our state food pantries and soup kitchens uh, to purchase food uh, more effectively, uh, to share surplus inventory, and connecting them to suppliers and services. You know The thread throughout our show, uh, Patrick, has been the importance of having access to nutritional food food. And so when we think about the food that's often donated or how food pantries and soup kitchens are getting particular items, can you talk about that? Are these the items that can, that are, that are healthy uh, for families who not only are food insecure, but thinking about the nutritional aspect too?
1: Well, you know, coming into this, I, I learned a lot. I learned a great deal about, you know, I've, I've been in the, um, the food industry my whole life. I, I worked for a restaurant group for many years and was a consultant. And it, still knowing the food industry as much as I did, I still didn't fully understand the, the pantry system, and, it, and it's been quite an education for me. Um, um, pantries uh, get a, a wonderful support, as I say, from the um, from the, the food um, banks. Um, and through donations, and, I, and the reason I bring all this up is to say that donations aren't just from, you know, folks in your neighborhood, but donations can also come from the, the food that comes from the grocery stores. Um, they, there's a huge amount of food that is donated to food pantries and, a, and a food assistance agencies throughout the state from local grocers uh, and grocery stores, and, and that is... Uh, a wonderful resource but in some cases they need other support so we try to connect them with wholesalers that are going to give them the highest quality product and um and and the healthiest product but i'm here to help the pantries get what they need and then it's the pantries uh um, the pantries are the ones that interact with the families and encourage them directly to eat as healthy as possible um but um there's a we we try to be a, a reliable resource for um, healthy products uh, whenever possible.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, End Hunger Connecticut, I understand, also manages the SNAP outreach hotline for the state, and and then think there's also managing the farmers market program. And so, can you can you talk more about that? You know, the other options too to to connect uh, residents with with healthy food.
1: Thank you so much for asking, Lucy. Yes, I, I'm so proud of what we do at End Hunger Connecticut and the Full Shelves Initiative. While it's it's um, you know, my thing and, and what I'm focused mostly on. Um, I uh, we, we do great things. We run the SNAP um, uh, hotline and assist people um, throughout the state to um, access their SNAP benefits. And I do want to say that the SNAP call number for anybody who's listening who think they might be able or, or might need support or would like to find out more about benefits. Uh, the number is 866 974 eight six six nine seven four seven six two seven. So we um, we help uh, thousands of people uh, every year. We we helped um, over thirty five hundred uh, individual cases last year, um, and, um, and and enrolled uh, almost two thousand people into the program last year. Uh, so the SNAP call center is very, very helpful to um, getting people to that food resource when, when they're food insecure and when they need that help. We also um, manage the summer meals programs uh, information. So during the summer, there are sites throughout the state where kids, families who rely on um, uh, school food, school school meals, when school is out, there are um, locations all over the state to um, provide food for any school-aged child. Um, and there is a map on our site. If you go to uh, summermeals.org um, Connecticut, excuse me, ConnecticutSummerMeals.org summermeals.org, um, There's a map that is, that will be uh, updated in June to list all of the places where um, children, uh, open sites where children can get food and then the other thing you mentioned was the um, the uh, SNAP doubling benefits. Uh, there are 25 farmers markets throughout the state, um, Bridgeport, Danbury, Ellington, Hartford, Manchester, Middletown, Britain, New Haven, Wethersfield and Willimantic, where there are farmers markets where um, families who um, have SNAP benefits, when they go to those markets, those participating markets, when they swipe their card, Say for a ten dollar purchase, they will get twenty dollars worth of tokens or coupons to spend. So their SNAP benefits are doubled when they go to these participating farmers' markets. So that it encourages families um, on this, with SNAP benefits to eat healthier and to get um, healthier foods at the farmers' markets. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it's good to hear all those options are available, especially uh, as uh, school is ending, thinking about nutritious meals for the whole family. Thank you so much, Patrick Dowling, again, for coming on to talk about this this new initiative to help food pantries and soup kitchens, the Full Shelves Initiative. Patrick is the resource director for End Hunger Connecticut. That's a nonprofit, so if if listeners want to help, they can also support your organization, Patrick.
1: Oh, can I uh, actually say that we're in the middle of a capital fundraising campaign right now, and until June 8th, uh, any donations that come in to help support our organization um, will be matched one-to-one through the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, who has generously offered us a $20,000 match on fundraising. So uh, I thank you very much, Lucy, for for mentioning that. Um, I, I would encourage anybody who's in a position to to contribute to us so that we can help these pantries um, throughout the state. And I will say, Lucy, I'm going to be calling David Fye Chandler after this, because I (laughs) want to see if there's a way that we can work together uh, to help his community as
2: well. That's good. That's good to hear. Patrick, thank you for your time today on the show.
1: Thank you, Lucy.
2: I'm Lucy Nalpathanchal. Today's show produced by Sujatha Srinivasan. Our technical director is Kat Pastor. Again, later this week, we'll be talking about this latest mass shooting, the gun violence that's happening in communities across our country, including in our state. We want to hear from you. Again, you can reach out to us on social media at where we live, and you can email me, lucy at ctpublic.org. Back tomorrow.